On this episode of Stories Behind the Grind, listen to my conversation with Renat, founder of Prometheus and Lifestyle Engineering. We discuss how to start building compounding habits, how to remain on top of your game, and accelerating personal growth through the ADI method. My name is Aidan Vokolo, and here you will find business strategies, tips, and tactics that you can incorporate not only in your own venture, but your life, to help you simplify and strategically grow, scaling up the impact you're having in this world. Listen as I talk to creators, innovators, and game changers on what it takes to build an impactful business, uncovering their insights, strategies, and tips to help you increase profitability and develop a thriving team culture. Welcome to the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. Renat, thanks for coming on Stories Behind the Grind podcast. It's great to have you on. Glad to be here. Thank you. Renat, you're the founder of Prometheus, whose mission is to accelerate performance tools and emerging technologies through marketing and storytelling. And you run Lifestyle Engineering, a community of life hackers with the focus of self-awareness, taking action, and lifestyle solution design. You yourself have a 10-year manifesto that's open source where anyone can actually suggest edits or add comments. And I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about the first part of your life's mission, which is to build exponential tech to eradicate suffering and increase the quality of life for over a billion people. Absolutely. Well, I love the idea of technology just enhancing our lives but also making our lives a little bit easier. And exponential technologies in nature, they're technologies that on top of which other things can be built. It's the infrastructure and it has certain components that essentially at scale can help billions of people to uh, improve their lives and to eradicate suffering, which I believe that everybody has uh, a form of. So that's kind of the mission. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I think it's doesn't matter who you are, where you are, the- I guess life is suffering in a way and it's, you know, up, up to us to do the best to sort of battle through it. But if you, you know, through your mission, if, if you can eliminate as much unnecessary suffering as possible, I think that's a very uh, noble endeavor. Exactly. You see, I, I fundamentally believe that people will have problems. It's just the type of problems that people have. Like before hundreds of years ago, there was like high child mortality rates. And, and then, uh, and then people, people would need to have a lot of children in order to, you know, just survive and pass on their genes. And then that was transitioned into other types of problems that, that people started having is like making enough money, providing for their families, having food. So we transitioned from one type of problems into other type of problems. No matter uh, if you're rich or poor, you still are going to have certain issues. It, it's how we deal with them. And what my beliefs and ambitions are is to really start moving our problems from like the bottom of the Maslow hierarchy of need problems into the higher order problems where we can think about meaning and contribution and connection, that type of issues. If we had to wind the clock back a bit, how did you end up arriving on that life's mission of yours? What were the sort of steps and milestones in your life that really had a big factor in you arriving at that idea? To me, it just felt a little bit more pragmatic. I thought, what are the, the greatest challenges that the humanity is facing? And what can we do at scale? What can we do in a perpetual Motion. How can we start the perpetual motion machine where the, the innovators, the, the first comers can come in and really kickstart the process of unstoppable improvement for humanity? And it has to be done through technology. So that's, that's how I arrived to it. It was more of a pragmatic solution in my head as opposed to, as opposed to anything else. Really. Sure. And I guess why, why does it have to be done through technology in your opinion? Technology is scalable. 
it's repeatable and it's pretty much an infinite resource that we have access to. And one thing to add what technology is, technology is a tool. The chair I'm sitting on is technology. It helps me with my posture. It helps me be upright and be more focused. So a lot of the things that we see around is technology and we should not forget that. So yeah, just different type of technologies that there are that can help us at scale. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, for sure. What are some technologies that you're most excited about in the future? I'm really excited about about technologies that automate tasks that do not require creativity and do not require things that make us uniquely uniquely human. For example, I'm really excited about autonomous vehicles that will be coming in during the next decade. We literally spend billions of hours every every year uh, just driving a car. And I just don't think it's a very, very enjoyable. Sometimes it is, but it's not a, like a necessary activity. It should be a choice. And certain like uh, data entry, things that can be solved with computer algorithms and machine learning, artificial intelligence. I think those things are really fascinating because they literally reallocate billions of hours of human productivity into things that that we humans are uniquely qualified to do, such as like creative tasks. Yeah, over a billion hours is, is a phenomenal amount of um, amount of time to go away from those sort of mundane routine tasks. And I guess it becomes more important then to allocate those those hours into, I guess, in, in one part, sort of improving how we do things. But like you said, also having the um, the ability to use you know more of our creative abilities to you know progress the human race in a sense. Exactly. What are some ways that you've sort of optimized the way you've done things? I know, I know you engage in information fasting. How have you found that process, and what are the benefits? <laughs> that's that, that's actually a great question. I think fundamentally our focus is finite, a finite resource. And what you probably observed me do is I deactivated my social media, uh, my Facebook, my Instagram. You can no longer find me on those social networks. And the reason I did that is there are a lot of good things that social media in particular has. And then it creates, creates this very fine, fine line where it's productive versus counterproductive. And it's really easy to justify us using more information and more of whatever to, you know, to really be engaging in habits that do not push the bottom line, do not make us happier. And I realized social media for me is I've never in my life wanted more social media in my life, especially when I'm like grounded and happy and joyful. It's like, Oh, I wish I had more social media. But I wish I had more times of creativity, more more times when I spend time with the people I admire, writing and being in the creative state. So I realized that social media was was a huge distraction. And right now, I'm doing this slow experiment where I am limiting drastically my information consumption. So I essentially deleted all of my apps from my phone, all podcasts, audiobooks, everything. And instead of my brain always asking for more information when I'm walking, driving, doing whatever, I'm really spending that time to organize the information that's coming in into something productive and seeing things that I wouldn't see otherwise. Um, I have this noise canceling earphones and I remember going through big cities, you know, listening to another podcast, another audiobook, learning more. And it sounds like a noble cause that you're doing. Learning, it's learning new things. Who doesn't like learning, especially in, in today's day and age? But it's an easy excuse again to, uh, not to think 
about the things that you want to think and not to create the things you want to create. So yeah, my experiment is around being very selective in terms of the information I'm feeding my computer, my machine, and seeing what comes out of it, really. How are you monitoring, I guess, the results? How do you know that this is going to be a successful experiment? Uh, that's a good question. Maybe maybe three years back, I would do a spreadsheet where I would have five or eight different parameters and I would track it every day and see how things change. Right now, I'm more on, on the minimalistic end. and I'm, I'm just seeing how I feel and I'm I'm just being more observant and self-aware. And I do, I do my daily diaries or daily notes uh, in the mornings where I pretty much write down the issues I'm, I'm facing and the things that are happening in my life and the things I'm loving and I'm grateful for. So through this reflection process, I can, I can easily see changes. That's a really good way to sort of capture it in a, I guess, in a hard copy document. For those that struggled to... I guess, begin reflecting, what would your advice be? Did you have any hangups or, or things that stopped you from starting that process that you could sort of help others, you know, make that transition to start? For reflections? Yeah, for reflections. Absolutely. I, I love this saying that Tim Ferriss talks about a lot of the times. He says, uh, what's get measured gets managed. And I think when we observe and uh, when we're self-aware, we see what's happening. And when we are aware of issues and problems and uh, and everything that's happening in our lives, we are more equipped to solve those things. So for me, I love the idea of making things easy. There are literally like thousands of tools out there, thousands of techniques. I think that we need to figure out the micro behavior that we can instill in our lives that we can practice every day in order to build a micro habit and then start building on top of it. I personally use a very, a very simple app called Productive where I have my morning routine. And then I have this, this morning routine that is essentially uh, 30 minutes long that I do every day. And I just, I just check off things there. I love doing my routine. That's why I have it in the first place. And yeah, I would, I would suggest people not to try to drastically change their lives, but change a small thing and see how they feel and then stick to it for, for maybe a couple of weeks, a month and, and just keep adding, keep adding on to that. And eventually, eventually things will start compounding and massive results will come. What are some, um, what are some massive results you've experienced that you weren't expecting as a result of changing micro behaviors? That's a great question. Let's see. I guess allowing myself to, to have fun and scheduling time for, for fun and for, I call it me time. Those are, those are periods of time in my calendar that, that I can just do whatever. So this is, this is relatively like micro behavior, just, just a decision to allow yourself to, you know, to entertain yourself and to be joyful and to be doing things. So me investing that time into myself, even a little bit of time every day, every week, every month, it helped me just see things from a new perspective, interact with my teams uh, in, in a better, more open ways, be less stressed out and, and honestly, get, get the clarity and the fulfillment and joy of doing the work I do, which literally influenced everything else. So me deciding to invest in myself and, and love myself and do things for myself allowed me to, to inspire my team because they, when they talk to me, they literally tell me, Renat, you're, you're so happy. You're so joyful. I love your energy. And I get this energy from, from investing in myself. So my business is transformed from, from that micro behavior. Yeah, that, that's a massive shift. And I think um, 
I guess from my experience, just I do have to agree with you, making those small those small changes and it can be can be as simple as take you know, it might be taking a different way to work. It might be, you know, walking past somewhere you haven't experienced before, but that taking the those little tiny, tiny changes over time and repeated onwards can definitely compound, I guess, like compound interest, you know, it keeps building upon itself. And before you know it, it turns into this sort of massive investment. Exactly. And I profoundly believe that most people in the world, they have inherent ambition in them. So if somebody, uh, if somebody doesn't exercise at all, and then if they go for a walk and then they start walking just for five minutes, and then they will want to bump up the effort. I'm convinced that most people are ambitious. They just need to, they just need to get into this upward spiral and they need to have certain wins. And uh, the best wins are the small ones that, that just give us short term motivation so that in the long term, we can build up, build up the foundation to be ambitious and successful in the long run. Definitely. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned having those quick wins, having those sort of small quick wins to build that positive feedback loop is, um, is critical to sort of spur on an additional motivation. And I guess to know that you can achieve what you set out to achieve. In your opinion, what impact does the environment around you have on, on your performance? Have you noticed? I mean, you've, you've traveled a fair bit. Have you noticed you're more productive or you're sort of more in alignment when you're in different environments? Yeah, man, absolutely. I think, I think environment is, is everything. And another belief I have is that we get to control our environment one way or another, or we get to build or engineer our environment. It's important to know what makes us feel good and feel productive. Some people work under stress. The other ones need moments of clarity and they need to be heads down, non-distracted. So knowing what makes me productive is is really essential. You mentioned I've, I've traveled a fair bit. I've, I've traveled to close to 70 countries by now. And I actually do not like, I do not like moving around that much. And I, I try to stay at each place I go to for at least three months, because for me, the transition of of selling in a place, getting new new community, new friends, new routine is really tiring. So some specific things that work for me are they're pretty much fundamental things. I need to be fit and exercise well. I need to eat well. I need to sleep well. I need to have moments of groundedness, but that's that's more of something I control, which is meditate daily. And other than that, my friendships through the digital medium, through just, you know, uh, through WhatsApp, for example, I maintain them. I have regular phone calls uh, with people, with friends. So that helps me with the social part. I have people who inspire me. I have my team members that I get inspired by as well. So I get to, I get to manage directly maybe around, around 10 people. So on the social part, which is super important to me as well, I'm good as well. So essentially with that set of things, I can go almost to any place in the world and feel productive, feel fulfilled, feel happy. And that's what I try to do. I have a certain checklist of environment parameters that I'm looking for. Yeah, that, that's a wonderful thing to have and to check off to know, I guess, for you, what really motivates you and what really sort of keeps you on top of your game. What advice would you have for those that want to sort of stay at that top level, sort of maximize the ambition that they have? I think personally, Personally, I think it's following our interests, following our passions, and following our authenticity. There's a lot of advice that's given, you know, left and right, do this, do that. I profoundly believe that if every person figures out who they are, 
like specifically what makes them tick? What's their unique combination of passions, of skills, of ways they want to grow, of people they want to surround themselves with? Not anybody else's, not a copy-paste solution, but unique to them. I honestly think this is the biggest, the biggest thing that people can do. And if, like Steve Jobs said, if you haven't found it yet, just go relentlessly pursuing or looking, identifying, identifying those things that make you tick. I just think this is, this is fundamental. Understanding who you are, understanding your passions, discovering those if you haven't found those and really not following anybody else's solution because it's easy. And then we find ourselves living the lives that, that somebody else might want, not us. And sometimes, sometimes that brings suffering. Yeah. And that, that can be often the hardest part is to really, really sort of uncover what you want to do in a sense, as opposed to what someone else has told you is the right way to do things. And that might come from, you know, family or friends or, um, you know, even potential mentors. It's really, it really does take a, take some time to uncover it. But like you said, it's probably one of the best things you can ever do is un- uncover who you are meant to be and, and who you are. I agree with you. And I think it's not about, Hey, do, do this or Hey, if I only had this information, I'd be successful, happy and I would have a six pack. I truly believe that there are fears that are holding us back from our ambitions. Everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to achieve certain results and have love in their lives and great relationships. But there are things that there are walls that we need to break through. And those walls are specifically fears that we need to work through. And it's easy to say, hey, go, go find what you love. But finding what you love requires you failing so many times you not feeling always amazing, you embarrassing yourself, that is just inevitable. And those hard things, they transition into, into fears or they're fears that will fail that stop us from searching. Sometimes we can, we can try one thing and then fail at it and, and stop trying. It's like, ah, if I try it again, I will, I will expect the same result I've already gotten. So just an important thing I want to, I want to mention is that it's not about, it's not about just knowing what you need to do. It's being brave enough and having this warrior mindset and being okay with fear and being okay with the challenges and with all the things that can go wrong and still doing it. So I think this is the, actually the, the most important thing I'd recommend. Not, not, not just, Hey, do this, but be brave enough to, to pursue understanding of who you are, what makes you tick and the type of life you want to live. Yeah, appreciate you um, adding that distinction to um, to the process. You know, fear and challenges and and overcoming hurdles are are definitely part of the process. What are some of the fears that you've had in the past that you've overcome? Man, so many to be honest. One is that just being an outsider. I remember I grew up in Moscow and I went to I went to school where I would share my vision with people, my ambitions with people, the things I wanted to do, the you know the impact I wanted to make. And, and people like, eh, and they would, they would play video games, do other stuff. And I would just go new places and, and try to find new people and it would be closer, but it wouldn't be it. So eventually, eventually I told myself that I would surround myself by the world's best. And I went to study in the United States and that was a little bit closer, but it was not there yet. And then I moved to another place in California. And it wasn't there yet as well. And then eventually I, I just found my, my tribe through the uh, Cairo Society Network, for example. Those are young entrepreneurs uh, working on changing the world and changing the world through businesses specifically. And 
I finally, after years of failing and like feeling like an outsider, and I could have honestly settled and said, okay, yeah, I'll just play video games and just do whatever, whatever there is, whatever the trend is. But instead, I constantly like put myself in front of new people, new obstacles, and, and I was able to distinguish what is not it yet and just have, have the guts to, to keep moving forward, keep moving forward, putting myself in new environments. Eventually, I'm, I met close to 10 different billionaires and I realized that they're human beings as well. And then they have their issues, their problems, their ambitions. And that just helped me, helped me become more grounded because I, I felt like I explored so many different spectrums and, and I took that challenge and I, I could finally start selling down a little bit from the, the people I want to surround myself with. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing journey you've, you've had. I guess I admire your sort of burning desire and I guess courageous in nature to, to keep going. And like I said before, earlier on, everyone's got this ambition inside them and you really sort of dug deep and you kept exploring until that ambition was met, until you sort of found exactly where you were meant to be and who you were meant to be surrounded with. So I really admire that, you know, you didn't give up and you didn't just, yeah, like I said, give up and play video games and say, oh, this is too hard. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's not for me, but you, you kept going and you kept pushing forward. Exactly. And the truth is our ambitions stay, but our challenges will, will, will change slightly. Like for me, I wanted to have a good social circle, for example. And then once I started getting that, I would, I would just say, okay, I'm pretty good there. What else can I try? What else can I do? What other challenges am I passionate about? An important thing to, to also mention is that there's just so many, so many new things that you get passionate about on the way. It's not that you once choose to invest your full self into one thing and then you are no longer able to choose anything else. The farther you go, the more things that you can see yourself getting passionate and excited about. And in order to get into exploring a lot of passions, you just get, need to get the momentum. You need to, you need to start moving. Sitting on the couch is not going to, is not going to get you to discover your interests. You have to like, you have to fail a couple of times. You have to try a couple of things and start, start seeing these patterns. When you get to the point that you've got to, and I'm curious to get your perspective on it, and you've got all these options ahead of you and you've got the, all these passions that you've discovered, how do you remain focused and how do you sort of, you know, because obviously you, you could try, say you've got 10, 10 passions, it'd be hard to focus. So how, how do you know which ones to focus on? Well, I think I like sprints, sprints. And instead of doing 10 things at once, doing one thing and then maybe doing another thing, but being, being super concentrated on one area. And that actually helps, helps us get ourselves super deep into, into one topic by just, just investing ourselves into one specific thing. So honestly, honestly, I haven't been exceptional at it. I got super, super enthusiastic about the arts world, for example, and creativity world. And I've gone during, during my free time exploring different galleries and the artistic circles and underground community of artists. And that is so far from everything else I do. It was ridiculous, but I guess I don't have a perfect answer, but doing sprints, doing sprints maybe of one month or one quarter with very specific things you want to learn, very specific things you want to accomplish. And uh, I call those micro experiments. When you have something you want to test, uh, you have your assumptions that you want to test and you have your, your solution design, which is, okay, how am I going to 
prove my assumptions? How, how am I going to prove, prove the things I want to, I want to prove? Essentially, it's information gathering stage, this micro experiment. Uh, designing that, that experiment in like one month or one quarter period and, and constantly iterating, reflecting and seeing, seeing if it's, if you're getting closer or not. I'm glad you mentioned the other uh, ref- reflecting part of it, going back and, and, and seeing, you know, what progress you've made and how you can sort of refine that going forward. It's always good to, to have that uh, feedback loop in place. Exactly. exactly. That's where we learn. Mm-hmm. The more feedback learn loops we have in our lives, the, the more opportunities for us to learn we have because we get to reflect every time we reflect. We get to look at all of the information and start finding patterns, learnings, and ourselves in it. How do you um, how do you apply your engineering mindset to the to the realm of personal development? You've mentioned the the sprint concept. Are there any other engineering frameworks that you use in developing yourself personally? So with lifestyle engineering, my personal development community, what we do is we use the most effective ways to organize human productivity, which is pretty much engineering extremely complex projects. And then we distill it down into three steps, which is analyze, design, and implement. The first part is in the context of life is about figuring out what we think we want, what type of life we think we want to live. So it's analyzing what's already out there or what we think is true or creating those assumptions. After that, based on those assumptions, we get to design a solution. And designing a solution is about, hey, I want to, uh, I want to be like super athletic and I want to do like a four minute mile because that's what I think is going to make me feel incredible and challenge me so that I'm emotionally satisfied as well. So that's, that's where you build, design the solution. It's like, okay, I'm going to be, uh, in order to do a four minute mile, for example, which is going to bring me happiness and whatever other attributes I'm looking for, I'm going to train this much, this often. And then the implement part, which is the third one, analyze, design, implement. Implementation is about actually showing up and actually going through exercise every so often consistently so that you can test the design. Because if, if we do not run the design, if we do not implement the design, then it's useless. A lot of people have plans, but they do not do anything with them. So they stay plans and people say, Oh, planning doesn't work. It works if you actually do it. And then once the implementation is finished, you get to reflect again. It's a cycle. It's a cycle that people use in business and engineering. You get to analyze the new learnings that you got, the, the data. Imagine the implementation stages like data collection. You get to learn more things about yourself. It's like, oh, I actually don't like running or I actually do not like this goal or whatever. So you get to pause and reflect again and analyze all of this information about yourself, about the things that you're doing. And then you get to adjust the design of your solution and say, okay, instead of this, I'm going to do that. And then, and then you get to implement that as, as once again, and you get to, you get to reflect on it again. So that's something that we do in, in lifestyle engineering. We use this, we use this engineering mindset in approaching our lives, our planning, our, our ambitions, our interests. We think about how can we build systems where it's impossible to fail. Because you get to reflect, you get to you get to build new solutions, you get to try new things. So that's that's kind of what we do. Wonderful. Where can people find out more about lifestyle engineering? Uh, they can find it on lifestyle.engineering, and they can learn more about the process and our philosophy. And hit the apply button to check out our community. No worries, and I'll I'll include a, a link to that page in the show notes. 
Uh, Renat, um, a question I like to ask all guests, and I'd, I'd love to get your perspective of it. What's your definition of the grind? To me, the, the definition of the grind is probably the definition of being a warrior and relentlessly going against your fears and doing things that you want to do and just, just doing them regardless of all of the emotional challenges that might be coming, coming in. I think grind is about, is about being brave enough to take challenges and to do things that we want to do and uh, to do things that will bring us closer to our ambitions and to the, the world we want to see. Wonderful. Yeah. I, I love your perspective of it. I guess to keep going when, when life seems gangster. Exactly. Where can people find out more about you and find out where your life's manifesto or what that is all about? They can find more about me probably on LinkedIn since I deactivated my socials. I'll share my link and in my LinkedIn, there will also be my life manifesto. So my life manifesto is a crowdsourced document about my life and about the things I want to accomplish. Remember, I mentioned in the lifestyle engineering process or in any engineering process, there is the design, the design component, right? So for me, for my life, design component is, hey, what type of life do I want to live? I separate it into nine different categories of life where I want to thrive. And I, I wrote this document. It's around 40 pages long and it talks about the, the life I want to live and the things I want to accomplish and, and how I want to feel. And what I did after is I opened it to the world, to my friends, to other people to discover first so that they can uh, get inspired by it and plan better themselves too. But second, this is an amazing tool for folks to, to actually give me feedback. I love feedback. Feedback is analysis. When people say, hey, Renat, based on what I know about you, I do not think that this thing will help you achieve what you want to achieve. They get to contribute. They get to share their perspectives. It's a, it's a Google Doc format where people get to comment on different sections of the manifesto, share their perspectives, encourage or, or provide another alternative way of looking at things. And yeah, it's been extremely, extremely useful. And the most useful thing actually has been in seeing how what I think I want changes. I uh, wrote this document about a year and a half ago, and I get to see what I thought I wanted, which through my process of experimentation, implementation, and analysis is no longer, is no longer there, is no longer relevant. And I don't think that we should, we should be the version of ourselves we came up with when we were 14 or whatever and stick to it. And if we don't, then, uh, then we're failing. I think we're all dynamic human beings and we, we get to learn more. And with learning more, we get to, we get to plan better and, and, and change what we think we want, change our goals, change our ambitions and change who we are, even change our values. So the most important thing in doing this life manifesto has been seeing how my values change and how the things I think I want change as well. And I encourage everybody to do the same, to write down their vision of life and share it with others. And I'll, of course, share my example so that there is certain, uh, certain framework or certain example that you guys can, can take a look at. Yeah. I, I encourage you, if you're listening to this podcast to really just check it out. It's, it's, it's a phenomenal piece of work that Renat's put together. And the, the crowdsourcing component is probably the, the icing on the cake in terms of getting, getting that feedback from other people, especially those that know you more personally and be able to iterate it. Like we were talking about before, you know, you, you design something and then you get the feedback and then you continue to develop it as you go along. It, it's, yeah, it's definitely worth, worth checking out for sure. 
and yeah, a testament run out to, to what you've done. And I'm looking forward to, to watching you progress going forward. Thank you. Thanks again for coming on the podcast. I really, really do appreciate you sharing. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to this episode of Stories Behind the Grind. Please share the podcast. And if you're not already subscribed, be sure to do that right now. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you could do me a quick favor and rate and review the podcast. This lets the platform know that I'm doing something right and people like the content. It'd be a huge help and I'd be really, really grateful if you could. Until next time.